Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Villains, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast with me, Neil Dunworth, and as always with Paddy Kelly as well from the Munster Lions Porters Club. Um, we have football is back, football is come and gone. Um, the initial, I suppose, fervor and excitement that we were waiting for for this game that, that happened last evening uh, is is now over, and we we look forward towards Chelsea. And we're going to talk to you today. We're going to come to you today to chat to, to chat to you about the Sheffield United game. Um, I suppose there's kind of mixed feelings online, which I'm finding difficult to understand, and we'll talk about that later. But I think one thing we can say is that our fan base is feeling maybe like our fan base is feeling kind of like the Arsenal fan base should be feeling like after after their performance yesterday, which was pretty abject. Um, but uh, I think there was a lot of positives in in, in that game last night. Now, as I say, I'm delighted to have Paddy Kelly here from the Munster Line Supporters Club to chat to me, Master Patrick. How are you this evening? Good Neil, glad to uh, glad to be on talking to, about uh, some actual football instead of stuff that happened twenty years ago. So uh, <laughs> yeah, from a recent uh, podcast, but um, yeah, glad to uh, glad to have glad to have it back. And you know, obviously, I would rather have fans there. Um, the fans are the most important thing in the stadium. So from that point, I found it very strange, but. Um, I'm positive enough after the, the performance from the team, I have to say. Um, the few little uh, changes in, the, in our approach, in our approach play, um, attacking-wise. So, uh, I don't know whether that's McGinn coming back into it, but I'm sure we get into it later on. But I am positive. I thought we played well. Um, we got plenty of shots on target, plenty of shots in general. Um, obviously, they had more, more possession, but um, yeah, I'm positive. Yeah, it's. Um, I suppose we might as well start at the very, very start. I think one of the one of the, the things that kind of struck me from the game itself was uh, the differences that we saw in in just match day setup from not not from the teams or anything like that, but just what a match day is going to look like at in the Premier League in COVID nineteen era. Um, fantastic tribute to Ron Smith, I suppose, first and foremost. Um, that was really nice. Sky Sports picked up on it as well. Um, two people guarding the. Um, the, the the steward's big, jacket yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh obviously that was a super super touch and uh i noticed a couple of times i picked it up but just i was just drawn to it in the screen there was a couple of uh um irish line supporters clubs um flags there your own from the monster line supporters is there i thought that was a fantastic fantastic uh initiative as well are they going to stay up for the for the four coming games for the for the last six games of the, of, of the home games this season 
Yeah, well, they're they're staying where they are until until the Chelsea game, and then they're going to take them down just to preserve them from fading from the sun and whatever. So all right, but they um, will put them up know. for every game, is it? They put them up for every game, yeah. Ah, yeah. So where we have back to back games, they're going to leave them up. Ah, yeah. That's that's what I took from the email. It makes sense, you know. But uh, I don't yeah. know whether they'll move them around or put them in different places. But uh, yeah. funnily enough, the other Irish flag that was there was from Erdington. Which, oh wow! Because <laughs> I, I zoomed in and had a good look at it this morning on one of the photographs, which is uh, which is funny. So there's obviously some expats there from Birmingham who who sent it in. Anyone from the Erdington Irish Lions Club wants to come <laughs> on the podcast? We'd be delighted to talk to you about your history, about your background, and and about your Irish roots. And that goes for actually anybody. If there's anybody out there that's in foreign <laughs> lands or even in the UK, Jesus, we'd love to talk to you about uh, about your Irish background and so on. We've had uh, uh, B6 Ben Ben O'Callaghan on, and as you know, his father is is uh, is is a proud uh, proud man of proud Irish heritage as well, and. Um, he extended an invite to me to go to the bar in, in his back garden sometime whenever I'm over in Birmingham, and, and uh, I haven't forgot that, and I still uh, I'm going to cash that in at some stage. But anybody else that has any Irish uh, ties, we'd absolutely love to talk to you. You know, it's it's a podcast for everybody, um, which and as I say, we, we'd love to love to get to know what part of what part of the old sod you're from over here, and uh, and regale you of stories and tell you what kind of. Where it's nice to drink a pint if you ever come home to try and visit your or try and find your roots and your ancestry. Um, but yeah, I suppose that that was kind of how Villa Park looked last night. Uh, I I picked up there was a banner in the corner. I don't know, did you see it, Patty? It was a banner in the corner, and it was uh, it was kind of com- congratulating the women's uh, uh, yeah, win of, of, of the yeah. of the championship. Yeah, um, I really liked it. I liked the positioning of it. I just wish it wasn't as as it wasn't as kind of crumpled up as it was. I don't know did the wind catch it or something, but uh, it took me ages to figure out. And I was looking, I was going, what in the. F- <laughs> couldn't figure it out in about and it was right underneath the scoreboard so when they did show the the, the fans yeah on their uh on, on, on their sofas it, it did flash up so yeah um, it, it was nice to put it in that position but as you said i think it might have been the wind because that would have been the windiest part of the ground i suppose the most exposed that's so, it in uh, the world the wind does swirl into that corner as well in Villa Park it because it's, yeah. one, it's it's one of the more kind of enclosed kind of sides of the field but uh and just speaking uh, of the guys that were on the on the fan cam there's a couple of foreign or a couple of familiar should i say faces there uh, a couple of uh chairmans of, of lions clubs in in the united states and a couple of guys that i know i attended the toronto lions club and the supporters club um quiz that they had at the start of lockdown and I saw some familiar faces there. It was great to see. So uh yeah, that's so I actually I went down to their Zoom call afterwards last night and spoke to I know Simon Leach from Chicago yes. was on the yeah he was there and Rick Leong from uh California. I yeah. think Mark Jerobi from Under a Gaslit Lamp he was, podcast yeah. was on as well. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah it was great to see the old faces uh Unfortunately, from my point of view, is I'm a, I get a bit uh, animated, so I, I declined the offer. <laughs> yeah, you say you were de- you declined the offer, but under freedom of information, I'm going to get that email, and it's you're probably barred, Paddy. That's probably what you're trying to say. It's nice to say that you're barred. Yeah, there's a load of um, there's a load of prerequisites with it that you couldn't drink, and uh, I saw I saw them laughing, saying they're drinking their beer out of a, a coffee mug and all this kind yeah. of stuff. There was, there was, yeah. some, was it in the Man City game last night? There was some young fella, he must be about 15. He was tipping into bottles of beer. <laughs> was he? He was in the background, he was slugging down long necks anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and the Man City one. I don't know what, where that came from. I saw it on Facebook, and literally, they, they had a kind of a, a time lapse of it. Kid must have only been about 14 or 15. He must have had about five bottles. Fair play to him. Um, yeah. But uh, that was, you know, there were a couple of changes. I suppose on the field as well, there was a couple of changes. We had drink break, drinks breaks. We had the teams yeah. emerging from the tunnel at, the, at different times. And I suppose the most striking one for me was all the medics and the, and, and the, um, the physios and everything like that, dressed as if they're going into the murder scene. You know, they had the, yeah. the proper... CS, CSI yeah. Aston. <laughs> CSI, yeah, exactly. CSI V6. Uh, <laughs> which is, look, it's great to see that the, the proper... That the proper, uh, I suppose, priorities are being are being pushed in the games, and that those guys are Absolutely. are allowed to do their jobs, and that there isn't a kind of a watering down of physio treatment, doctor treatment, and so on. Um, but the drink breaks for me, and it was interesting because they didn't fully explain, or maybe I missed it, maybe I didn't tune in in time, but they didn't fully explain 
the, the limitations on, on um, substitutions, nor did they fully explain, you know, little bits and pieces uh, with regards to, to what could and couldn't be done. And that's going to form something about something I'm going to talk about in a moment as well. But the drinks breaks, uh, obviously, is a great idea because you can't just fire a bottle of water into a player during a game because it has to have his name on it and has to be dedicated to him. Although they keep them in the carriers beside each other. So, I yeah, don't know if one touches off another then... <laughs> uh, there was unless they spread them all down with uh, I, I actually found it found the drinks breaks quite funny because yeah. it's obviously aimed at dehydration and all that kind of thing and you're there in, in Aston in 15 degrees and absolutely pissing rain <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you two are very well hydrated you know? exactly but look it's it's, uh, it's one of the ones they have to follow so um, I suppose it's nice when, when you haven't played for so long to get that little bit of a break as well this is it yeah this it. it's it's yeah. look it's fair they're not fucking they're not robots they're not uh, animals there for pleasure either they you know we need to take care of them and longer the days of well I pay my money to go to see them this so they should do apps you know I should yeah. be entertained no 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 you're paying to what you're voyeuring this uh you're you're the kind of the the person looking at the peep show here because they're doing their job and you're the one who's been the power of looking in and up yeah you might pay a lot of money and you might enjoy it but what's the difference you know um speaking about that there was no crowds there did you watch the game with sound crowd noises on or crowd noises off well i had a bit of a nightmare because i had had my numerous different ways of of watching the game set up and uh they were just about to go down on their uh, one knee and the screen went oh, and it was another 20 another twenty minutes before I could get it back up again. So, as I said to you last night, I missed the first 20 minutes and you said, mm. probably the best 20 minutes just to yeah. rub my nose. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, I, I watched it, I watched it on uh, Sky this afternoon. Um, so, I, I did, I did eventually get to see the whole lot, but I watched it, I watched it with the crowd noise and I'm glad I did because I turned on the the Man City game afterwards, and I found that very hard to watch. I did exactly the same. I watched the uh, Villa game with the crowd yeah. noise, and I really enjoyed it. And a couple of my mates were watching it, and uh, not even be, not even Villa fans. They were probably just watching it to see if they yeah. could slag me, you know, if Villa lost. <laughs> and uh, a couple, like one of them, about 18 minutes into the game, just messaged in and said, "I actually completely forgot there was no crowd there." Um, because the crowd was obviously singing Villa chants, well, one Villa chant uh, <laughs> the, whole, the whole way through the game. Yeah. And he goes, it was actually kind of, it was actually kind of cool. Your sensory kind of, you weren't, it wasn't an overload and it wasn't too much. It wasn't like you were watching um, like like a wrestling match or something like that where there's fake noise maybe coming in, in, yeah. in, in throughout or canned laughter or anything like that. It seemed to have been well done, so... Fair play, but yeah, I did watch, it, I watched the Man City game. I was actually watching the Man City game when Ederson came out and absolutely halved uh, what you call him Eric Garcia and the total oh, that was sick yeah. you know so yeah but it like I mean it's not much difference to a normal day in the Etihad is it? <laughs> it's just very quiet <laughs> yeah. and I, I love I love the way they uh, use the empty seats to sell advertising as well I think that was your idea a few weeks ago yeah that was <laughs> exactly did you notice that on the, they had a screen on, and it was something I saw on Facebook. I didn't notice it at all, but someone picked out on the fa- on the screen and fa- uh, for the first thirty minutes there was actually four people. There was actually empty four spaces. squares empty. Yeah, and it yeah. was like, oh, the fans on Zoom were exactly like the fans <laughs> in the stadium. Yeah, <laughs> finishing after dinner before they came to watch the match. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I have was- to say, after watching the two, I will. I'll, I'll try and watch every game in future with sound. I think I think it's better. Yeah. Well, once I can watch it, that's all that matters. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, I, I messed up really. I should have. I should have just went. You see, the club were good enough. Well, I don't know whether now TV sponsored or whatever, but season ticket holders got two yeah. now TV passes. So I was being clever, thinking, why would I use a now TV pass for two games when I can use it on Sunday and get four games, <laughs> you know, or yes. or or any of the Saturdays or whatever. So that's what I was kind of. That was my mindset, but it backfired last night and I missed the first twenty minutes, but. Yeah, um, I, I managed to watch it back, and, and uh, it's not the end of the world. No, such as it may have been the end of the world if I tuned back in after twenty minutes and we were two 0 down. But yeah, thankfully yeah. not. No, Billy Sharp didn't bring his boots. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like last year. 
and Villa Park for the three no. three, but uh, thank which mm. which in a way you know I think some people were expecting that, and I think we'll get onto that when we actually talk about the game. But just before we do, very poignant moment before the game as well. Um, like there was obviously a minute silence for NHS and COVID nineteen um uh, victims as well, which yeah. I think some people have maybe conveniently or not so conveniently forgotten about that that actually happened as well because I think the main talking point from the start of the game was the Michael Oliver blew the whistle and for eight seconds every player and every official went down on one knee which I thought was a really nice poignant moment players were wearing Black Lives Matters on their back um, on the back of their jerseys as well which Look, it's it's a worldwide movement now. You can say that it started because of one man being killed in Minneapolis. But listen, look, most people uh, are sorry, not most people, um, most people in Ireland, but but a lot of people are Christian, and that started because of one man in in uh, in what was Palestine, Israel. We call it that direction without getting too political and and <laughs> uh, and, and getting too much hate mail on that one. And um, but that started because of one man there, and we're talking about it over here in these islands, and it causes a lot of hassle over here. Black Lives Matter is, is a, it's a global movement, and if you're whether you're for it or whether you're against it, um, it's the the big thing is that you know everybody should be treated equally, and uh, yeah. you know the all lives matter and whatever else like that. Just take a step back, look at it. Yeah. Black Lives Matter. I hadn't, I hadn't realized until I, I watched it back this afternoon that they he actually blew the whistle to start the game, yeah. and they went. There. I thought it happened just before, so it it was it was really poignant and and, and a really nice touch. Um, unfortunately, when the commentator got lazy, you couldn't. <laughs> I was trying to work out which Sheffield United player it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they don't have, don't have the name on their shorts anymore. That, that was a little bit frustrating. So uh, <laughs> that's the only downside to it. I thought it was. I thought it was very good. Yeah, and it was a bit of controversy beforehand, which I just think is controversy for the sake of it as well. And I'm, I'm look. I don't like to be controversial or call people out or anything like this in the podcast, but a lot of people getting the knickers and the twist over Tyrone Mings being photoed and being pictured without that NHS badge on the, on the front of his shirt. And uh, a lot of people are over simplistically probably to fit a narrative that they have about him because maybe he was um, a leader or a ringleader within the Black Lives Matters piece. And as if the, just because he follows this, that he doesn't care about anything else. Yeah. Remember, this man was racially abused in, in Bulgaria and, and, and on his debut um, for England. Um, yeah. the, he subsequently come out and he's explained why that, they, that basically he said, listen, wasn't on the jersey the kit man gave me. Um, personally, I kind of like the fact that my players don't give a shit what they're throwing on um, beforehand and that they aren't looking at it and scrutinizing it, that their head's in the game. Now, yes, the yeah. NHS, don't get me wrong on that. The NHS has done a fantastic job. This was a clerical error. This wasn't anything that Tyrone didn't ask yeah. for. He had it in the second half. Once the issue was, was, uh, was uh, identified, it was rectified. And that's exactly. all. That, that's all that matters because this isn't a this isn't a protest, and this isn't like uh, there isn't any political motivation or anything behind this. And if you t- if people are taking it this way, then they're incorrect. And yeah, that's that's my view on it anyway. And I, I have I to understand be... Neil that these keyboard warriors have had nothing to talk about for the last three months. So yeah, <laughs> not... uh, it's ridiculous, I... really. When I read it, I was like. What is wrong with people that they're getting... And, like, I, I don't want to come across being all preachy on the podcast because that's not what I want this to be, but it's just, like, yes, if you want your attention, please look for it in different ways. Yes, call Keenan Davis shite if you actually think that he was. I personally don't. Say that, you know, that, that certain people are, are not your cup of tea as a player looking for a reaction off 30, 40 people in Facebook. That's fine. But, like, you, there was a clear and honest explanation for this. This wasn't anything that you need to get your knickers in a twist about. Yeah. And uh, yeah, look, it's that's that's just my piece on it as well. Like I, I just have I just have visions of people thinking that that something like this would have happened whereby they're in the dressing room beforehand. Tyron Mings turns around to Dean Smith and goes, Hey, um, can't play. And then I'm Dean goes, Why? And he goes, My shirt doesn't have the NHS badge in it. Oh, Jesus, it doesn't actually. Do you know what? We're due to kick off there in 10 minutes' time. We won't have time to get one put on it. Listen, do you know what? I'm not starting you. Hey, marvellous. We've got no We've got no centre-half on the bench. Marvellous, you're going in centre-half. Do you know what we'll do, Tyrone? We'll bring you on at the first drinks break, which comes roughly about 22 minutes into the game. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine, Dean. That's perfect. By then, we should have the badge stitched onto, onto the jersey, and I'll come on then. I just don't want anybody to be, you know, really put out by the fact that there was a clerical error and my jersey yeah. didn't have a badge in it. Well, is, I remember. That, is that clearly what people wanted some people wanted you know people want to believe you know it's 
I, I've often put on jerseys and put on the wrong number and stuff because <laughs> I was so focused on playing a game. That's just, it's just the way it is. Yeah. I'd say it was the last thing on his mind going back out to play his first game in three months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was focused on playing football, not, not what was on the short. Uh, and, you know, it's, as he's explained, I think no, no need to give those people any more airtime. It was, yeah. it was an error. It wasn't, it wasn't anything done maliciously. No. So, there's no need for the keyboard warriors to be back. You know, they had nothing else to speak about. So that's yeah. the way I, looked at. I, th- I, th- I think it was, uh, I, think, I think there was an undertone of it whereby, well, he's only supporting one. Uh, one cause here. If he supports this cause, he certainly can't support this other cause. You know, which yeah. we all know is completely false. I support lots of causes. Hey, I I donated to three different charities today, guys. You know, people can do it, right? Yeah. I want. Yeah, listen, we won't get into that. But uh, look, anyway, line drawn under it. Don't want to be preachy. We're on to the game because when the game kicked off, <laughs> when the game kicked off, uh, I was a ball and nerves. I think for the first twenty minutes, I, I was. I don't know about you, Paddy, but I was uh, the, the the setup of the team, the the lineup, uh, and so yeah. on. Uh, what what was your views on that? <coughs> well, like it, it worked out just fine, but for the for the hour before kickoff, <laughs> I was trying to figure out what kind of system he was playing, and I, I genuinely thought he was playing three centre halves mm. with with uh, with El Ghazi acting as a a wide player, you know kind of going forward when we have it and defend them when we haven't. So I was, I, I was glad to see that they, they lined out the way they did. Um, and obviously there was a logical explanation for that too with, with the injuries to Gilbert and to um, Bjorn Engels. So he can only play the cards he has with him and unfortunately the, the, three, the three available centre-halves were, were played. Um, I worried that um, he, he probably should have played Elmo at right back but even that worked out mm. well. I think we, I think we've got another option there now as well. I thought he had a really good game. Um, I, I think, I think we, I think we matched them in all areas. I thought, I thought, Ke- I, I was surprised to see Keenan Davis start over Samata, but I think he, yeah. he warranted his selection. He got stuck into them, and they actually didn't know what to make of him. Um, he, he roughed them up, and and they were a bit disjointed at the start too. With they'd obviously lost. O'Connell, who had played every game for him this season, so things were che- were were different for those two. So th- I I thought Keenan did a really good job. Um, had a couple of chances, probably should have scored. Yeah. Um, one one header in particular, I, I thought he should have done better with. But um, I find it very hard to fault him. Really, I think he did he did quite well. I think the midfield did exceptionally well. It was good to see a good uh, a good stint for John McGinn. Um. I thought Connor played well. I thought Douglas Louise was probably man of the match. Yeah, and there was, and I, I saw on Twitter there was people giving out that he that he was starting, but you know we we just got to get behind him and trust the manager because you know there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of green shoots there yesterday. Um, the one thing that did surprise me is that we've kind of been one dimensional a lot throughout the whole season. Get the ball out wide, drill it in across, get a, get a corner out of it. Even the corners were changed yesterday. Some of them were drilled yes. across. Some of them were hung in there. Um, everything was changed up. But there were two balls in particular. Target played a ball infield over the shoulder of of uh, Keenan Davis, who who actually got a shot away and nearly scored, but for the strong arm of the of the goalkeeper. And another one, uh, which led to a Davis chance as well. Grealish played a ball from the middle of the park into into the old inside right position. Mm-hmm. El Ghazi got on a drilled one across the goal and, and Keenan nearly got on the end of that as well. So there, there were just two examples, but we tried different things to open them up that we haven't done as far as I'm concerned throughout the season. All our goals have come from working the ball into the box, getting it across the box, getting it across for Connor or Douglas Louise to have a shot or Jack to have a shot from, from the edge of the area um, or getting the ball in the box or someone trying to get ahead on it. So you know, there's been a few, uh, a few different angles to 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 getting the ball forward. So that that part of me has made me feel a bit better. Um, be interesting to see should he go with the same team on, on Sunday? I'd imagine some people might get a rest. I don't know how far off me yeah, uh, Engels and, and Gilbert are. Um, I don't know whether he'd already agreed to 
you know, you start on Wednesday and, and someone else will start Sunday, there'll have to be a little bit of rotation because there's a lot of games coming thick and fast. I agree, and I think that there was an element of that in the within the, the the team that started. Didn't expect Davis there myself. Um, I think a lot of people were doubting him early enough in the game as well because he gave away three three frees in the first ten minutes. Uh, two of them were two of them were just a kind of a stronger man. The like he's a big, tall, strong boy. He's put on a lot of muscle since in the like, ten weeks to fourteen weeks, whatever that we've been off. Just impressed yeah. by that. Really impressed by the bulk of him, you know. And um, didn't affect his speed or anything like that. It, it didn't affect his, you know, his, his shiftiness. But I think one one thing he does need to learn is when he was marking uh, John Egan, and John Egan has a lot of games played at the lower level against big, stronger striker types, you know. And mm-hmm. um, when Egan was going back for a ball, he did the, the very, very old, age old trick of a centre half of make yourself smaller, kind of crouch down, get around the ball so that the striker has to put his hands on your shoulder. And the second he puts his hands on your shoulder, if you kind of move your arse in his direction, he's going to have to drag you back. It's, it's, it's the oldest trick in the book for any yeah. defensive midfielder or centre-half. And he just got, he got fooled by it twice. And he gave away two frees. And then the third free he gave away, he backed back into a uh, long ball, came down, and uh, he had his eyes on the ball, and he backed back, and he just basically just... Uh, very powerfully kind of shunted uh, Egan out of the way and gave away a free. And there was three quick frees. And I think, I think that was, that's obviously over exuberance. Remember this is his first Premier League start ever. So, yeah. you know, that's, it's a, it was a massive day for him. And I think a lot of people got down on him early. I certainly didn't see the, the negativity from his game that uh, other people saw. I saw certainly, I, like I, against Man City in the League Cup, the promise that I saw from him, like that was, that game, and, and there was another game this year that I can't quite put my finger on. But when I saw him, I said, he's ready. He's getting ready to make a mark. And he's only 22 years of age. He's getting ready to make a mark. And yes, everybody's down him saying, oh, well, he can't score. He can't shoot. can't score. Yeah. And they've him labeled as Heskey already. And it's terribly unfair <laughs> for a 22-year-old. No, it is. He's a different type of player altogether. Like he, he, I, I'm, I can't say anything... Bad about him, apart from the fact that he, shun- he shunted their goalkeeper over the line at one stage. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I thought he had a reasonable game. I, I, I wouldn't have much negative stuff to say about him at all. Um, I, he, puts, he puts himself about. He puts himself in dangerous scoring goals, and that's all you want from your striker. And he offers something a little bit different as well by dropping a bit deeper when he needs to. Yes. When the opposition are, are defending higher. So um, he's well able to hold up the ball and you know, his passing is good. So, you know, I can't, I can't say anything bad about him yesterday, as I said, other than hitting off Nyland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get when to he, that. He was struggling, when he was struggling as it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned that, you know, he's, he's linked up play. He, he can dribble with the ball at his feet as well. He's, he's got to turn the pace. At the moment, I'd nearly be as happy to see him playing right wing in that in that five slash three uh, five midfield slash three up front than I would Anwar Al Ghazi. Um, yeah. Not that I dislike Anwar Al Ghazi. I just spoke about it in the preview game of change of pace players. He's becoming more and more for me a change of pace player. Um, uh, just that I, I just don't know. Uh, and suppose talk. Let's talk about the 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 Nyland, uh Situation Island area. If I'm not mistaken, Anwar Gazi gave away a shocking free kick in the build-up to that. That free kick that it came from was like the most needless free kick from memory because yeah. I haven't watched it back. The Gazi gave away. I think actually the commentator even remarked, "What is he doing there?" And that's you get two or three of those a game from El Gazi. You, you do. Know? Yeah. Uh, we we're fragile mentally at the best of times with, with, with the way results have been going for us. And you know when somebody's a master of their their own downfall like that, making silly mistakes and being a bit petulant, you know. For me, that's Sheffield United don't do it, and that's why they're in the position. Well, it's not fully why they're in the position, but they can trust every player to be judicious about the decisions they make, and that's half the half the battle about being a professional footballer. But what did you make of the of that uh, stroke of luck that we had? Well, call it luck, call it a mistake, call it whatever you like. We yeah. were due one of those decisions ourselves. Um, like we've had six or seven of those decisions go against us this year between a heel being offside, Arsenal handling the ball, the Crystal Palace debacle, we could go on and on. So we were due one of those decisions. Initially, I thought 
and I'd only had a discussion, funnily enough, recently with a guy, a referee, and he was telling me that if the ball doesn't leave the post, so once it's still touching the post, it's still in play, which is what I thought had happened until mm-hmm. you saw it a bit closer. But it was quite obvious it was, it was six inches past the post at one stage. Um, there was definitely daylight there. Um, I don't know how the technology failed. Um, he was only just recovering his, you know, I think he mistimed the, the jump, to be honest. He was only just recovering from it when Davis, for some reason, <laughs> pumped yeah. into him. Yeah. You know, there was, no, there was no man there for him to go and, and, and head the ball. So there's a bit of naivety on his behalf. But um, I don't know how true it was. Somebody said that the the watch buzzed in the dressing room at halftime for the referee to say that the goal should have been awarded. And I was full sure he was going to give a dodgy penalty to even things up in the mm-hmm. second half. But it, it wasn't his mistake. The linesman even would have struggled to see that it went over the line from the angle that it was at. It was just a technology error. Um, when you think of it, I'm sure VAR could have given it. Correct me if I'm wrong, if that's not what they're there for. Uh, no, Paddy, you said, I'm sure VAR. And they're in the words that should never oh, yeah. be said because no one is sure of anything VAR. And, and exactly. the fact that it wasn't even used at all last night, I think is uh, probably fair to the players in a way. It's fair to the fans. And I think maybe that maybe the powers that be have seen it as a kind of a, listen, we, don't, we need football back. People need football back in their lives. And they probably didn't expect Hawkeye to, to be the one to be to blame. They said, right, we're going to use VAR sparingly so we don't have any controversial moments. Yeah. And then well, next thing, used, the one thing of... that hasn't failed in 9,000 matches, then makes it cock up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't noticeable. that I know there was one kind of shout out for, was it a penalty or something? It was, yeah, McGinn, I think. It might, no, Edward Gazzi went down Al-Gazi. in the box. Yeah. yeah. Um, and questionable. He was um, Yeah, there was also Mings was wrestled to the ground at the back post. Yeah, Mings may have had a hand on, on the other player. That might have been why it wasn't given. But I think those two things were checked all right because the referee did his all pose with the, the hand up to the ears if he's listening. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't show VAR checking in the stadium from what I could see and it certainly didn't come up around the screen so no. um, which is the way it should be it should be done discreetly and not, and not uh, impinge on your uh, enjoyment of the game yeah yeah, yeah I agree I agree and Michael yeah. Oliver was still rocking his, uh, his longer covered haircut he hasn't uh, he hasn't made a trip to the Barbers yet maybe we'll, we'll see him with a Matt Target-esque Alice band in the next game that he officiates yeah. it there was a very and funny one actually one of, one of the Sheffield United players after it happened Asked him, could he see his watch? Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he yeah. actually showed it to him. He lifted his watch to show him. I was like, God, does he not believe him or something? Yeah. <laughs> but that's how obvious it was that the ball was over the line from him who was standing. Was it yeah. McBurney? Yeah, McBurney. You know, and I think Lundstrom, Lundstrom was the captain. Lundstrom definitely went up to him at, at halftime and, and remonstrated yeah. with him, all right. But uh, look, you have to talk to the ref. Like, you know you're not going to get it, but it's about influencing him for future decisions as well, you know. Um, and I'm I'm a fan of it. I, I, as I say, look, it doesn't look right on TV. But as I said, we're the voyeurs. We're the peeping toms in this whole situation. Yep. They're doing their job and they're not breaking the rules by doing it. Yes, in a right in a in a like if you're a yep. businessman, if you're a salesman, you have to go and you have to make your if you remonstrate and you have to do uh, you know network and and uh, butter people up the right way. And these guys are only just exactly. doing the same thing, you know. So yep. uh, there's different thoughts top processes. But uh, as I said, I don't think like I think there's a lot being made of that because maybe it was uh, called it a dour game. It was a nil all game. But and look, it, it's the first time Hawkeye has failed. But there's a kind of a narrative around there that Sheffield United were so hard done by because you know that there was a, just no way that Villa could have won this game because of the way that they played and no way that Villa could have you know there wasn't even a game and Villa were so lucky to come out of it with a with a nil all draw. And that's kind of the the narrative I'm hearing from a lot of people that. I don't know that they even watch it because like, yeah. Villa were. I always find when Villa, Villa are on the telly, you get Manu and Liverpool fans have suddenly become experts on how good Villa are. Yeah. And I find it very frustrating to listen I mean, to this. They've, they've obviously just dipped in around the match and just watched a few minutes here and there. They didn't see the chances we had. Like, we, we created so many chances yesterday. Yeah. 
You know, oh, how we didn't score from a corner. Yeah, like our, you mentioned our corners mm. were fantastic. We were mixing it up. We had mm. Connor, Connor Howard was taking some of them. Jack and his floaty ones into the, the back post, yeah. like Jack's floaty ball into. Uh, I'm not a fan of his floaty corners, but it did nearly yeah. work. Courtney always got. Well, the it was in, in swingers, out swingers, yeah. drilled, drilled corners, every different type of variation, which is what you want to see. Yeah, you want to see it mixed up. You don't want to see the same. You know, you know, the, the, all our corners were, were nearly mopped up the whole season. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I was impressed that there, were, there was a bit of change last night and I hope it continues into Chelsea and I hope we can put them under pressure with those kind of balls. Because to see, to see Matt Tarker delivering that ball over Keenan's shoulder, now, I, I'm sure Keenan is predominantly right-footed, but still, he got a fine strike on the ball. Mm-hmm. And it, But for the strong hand, we probably would have won the game 1-0 because of it. Um, the, so the, the different approach is there. You know, as I said, Douglas Louise for me was man of the match. I thought he was, that's the best game he's had for us without a shadow of a doubt. I agree. And I don't think it's any, um, I, I, I believe from what John McGinn said last week about uh, suddenly he can understand him, he's, his English has improved. That has to be a big factor, you yeah. know, in, in, in his performance yesterday. And hopefully he can push on now and make that his own spot and, and, and and stay in there because if he can put a performance like that in, he can do it every week. Yeah, and 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 you know he had uh, what was it? I'm just trying to see here. Did he have? He had 45 touches in the game. You know he had those touches in the right areas. You know center of the field. It was a couple. He got his yellow card actually from. Uh, I thought it was actually a good foul because uh, I, at the time I was kind of cursing him, but when you saw it from behind and saw the amount of space that McBurney had, no McBurney not being a, like, he's not like a Daniel James who was going to tear off at like 100 meter pace, uh, Usain Bolt pace down the wing. But he got his foul in early on, the, on the, the halfway line. It was a yellow card, I know, but a lot of his touches were in the right areas. They were in the middle of the field. I like how he... Like, lest we forget, he trusts his his feet as well, and 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 I thought that he was a lot more assured in 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 that role as well in the game. And Douglas Louise was my man in the match. Thought Conor Conor Horan played very well. Thought he was very disciplined. I thought it gave um like McGinn, it gave McGinn an opportunity to kind of find his way into the game. I actually I wasn't as high in McGinn as a lot of people. He lost the ball quite a few times. Um, no, he wasn't. Is, he wasn't as usual ever vest himself, and that's going to no. take time as well. Anyone that's ever had an injury will know that you don't just bounce back straight away. So I, I, I wouldn't criticise him for it. It's just it's going to take a few games for him to be back at the old John McGinn. And even at that, you know, there were worse players out there. <laughs> Not too many, mind you. The only, the only person I, w- I would be anyway critical of yesterday was Anwar Al-Ghazi. I, I just think we don't know which one of which Anwar is going to turn up. And when he does turn up, he's nearly unplayable. But Yesterday yeah. was just he just goes missing too much for me. Just to just to kind of comment on McGinn as well. He's his industry was there. McGinn, how many passes do you think McGinn played yesterday? I don't know. I know Matt Target had the most amount of touches. <laughs> I don't know what McGinn had. McGinn Apparently played so. eight passes. McGinn played eight eight passes only yesterday, and six of them were to Villa players, two of them were cut out. There's only only one player had less passes, um, not including uh, substitutes that came on, but only one player had less passes, and that was Keenan Jeez. Davis. He had yeah. seven. And of Keenan Davis, seven passes, uh, six went on target. You know, so so uh, this this is kind of something I was going back to that uh, you know um the kind of the, the claret and blue tinted glasses that I like John McGinn, therefore I have to say that he had a fantastic game. He had a good game. Yeah. He wasn't no, he fantastic. Did. Douglas yeah. Louise, on the other hand, had 45 passes. Yeah. And uh, I'm just having a quick look at him here for 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 the the people maybe who might say he's a crap. It <laughs> goes left and right. I'm seeing <laughs> I've seen balls uh, spread out to the wing. I'm looking at it here on uh for anybody who's looking at it, whoscore.com gives all this information. Um, some of the balls he played sideways were raking balls right out to the wing uh, to change direction. So listen, look, like as I say, uh, Louise, I thought it a very good game. Connor, Connor like our midfield, um, our, our two in midfield had not, had 88 touches, 88 passes between them, and uh, of those 88, only uh, only nine were off target. So that's 
almost, you know, a 90% pass success rate from our midfield, which to be honest with you yeah. is pretty decent. Um, Grealish had a 100% pass success rate. <laughs> Uh, no, I heard a, a stat today that, that that Target had the most amount of touches, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, 59 That's touches, most. 59 uh, passes, should I say, 51, uh, to 51 on Target. <laughs> um, and Roy Gazi had 16 of his 17 passes mm. go, go, go on Target as well. It's, it's, it's an interesting, I love that kind of the statistical analysis because sometimes your eyes do lie. But then again, sometimes yeah, the stats yeah. lie as well. It's about marrying the two yeah. together. Exactly. Um, and, and I mentioned as well earlier that, you know, a lot of the narrative was that Villa were lucky, that Villa should have lost, that, uh, you know, there was no way they could have won this game. They didn't have a chance exactly. to the game. And it's just not true, you know. It's well, just, the, only, the only highlights you were seeing this morning on Sky Sports News was yeah, that, 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 goal. that goal over and over again. Yeah. You know, they, didn't, they didn't show Connor's shot or Keenan's two attempts or, uh, or McGinn's shot, you know, that these are all things that are easily forgotten. Like we'd yeah. 14 shots to five. Yeah. That tells the story in itself. Even though they had more possession, we had the, we kept the possession in the right areas and we let them have it when we were trying to conserve energy. That's what I took yeah. from it. You know, I couldn't tell you the last time we had 12 corners in a game either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I suppose you know. that tells the tale. When, no wonder we saw a variance in the, in the kicking because there were so many of them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, it was like like... That game was all I could have expected to have been last night. Um, yeah, coming off a hundred days without without a game, considering we were the last we were the last people to play a, a game um, against yeah. Leicester, and uh, you know that's the way. Then is the way it goes. I'm sure that we'll be a bit more effervescent as the as the time goes on. Look, yeah. there's a hundred days is a long is a long time. It we, is. We don't normally have that length of time, even in uh, the off season. Even in between the you know finishing in May. You're back in pre-season at the end of June, beginning yeah. of July. You're playing pre-season matches. So it's a long time without a game. To go into a run now of 10 games in five yeah. or six weeks, it's, it's going to be tough and it's going, it's going to be a marathon for them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we used four subs well getting into that. We used four subs last night, which is uh, a record under Dean Smith. Yeah. But look, as I say, guys, <laughs> uh, we're not going to go into, into too much more detail into the game, I suppose. Look, everybody watched it. Everybody has their feelings on it. And uh, look, it's a good start. We were one point closer to safety. Um, if we like go out against Chelsea, get another point. Go out against Wolves, beat Wolves. Go out against Newcastle, beat Newcastle. We'll all be dancing in the seas, in the streets. Um, <laughs> and I think that's that's basically the moral of the story here. Um, so guys, we're going to be back to you with a preview of the Chelsea game. Um, soon, someday. It's Thursday already. It's in two days' time. <laughs> Jesus, uh, Paddy, these things really are coming thick and fast. I need have to start paying you a wage, Paddy, at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> But we will be back with a with a preview of the Chelsea game. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, you know, football is back. Be happy, you know. Uh smile at your neighbours, say hello to everybody, keep the hate to to, to a minimum. And uh, as I say, uh, as Jurgen Klopp said it, and he said it so fantastically, he said, Football is the most important of the least important things. And I think that's very, very important to to, to remember when we think about other things that are going out going out in the world but it's still important. Yes, of course. <laughs> so guys, thanks so much for listening. You can find us all at Twitter at Mac for the love of M-C-F-O-R-T-H-E-L-O-V-E-O-F, which will be changing soon. But for the moment, you can find us there. You can find Paddy at Villa Paddy. You can find us on all social media at Mac for, uh, at for the love of Paul McGrath. And until maybe tomorrow or the day after, up the Villa and on towards Chelsea. <laughs>
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.